Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Introducing the SD Podcast channel, your one stop source for all types of podcasts. We are always on the look for new podcasts to join our channel. If there is any topic you would like to discuss, contact us now. We can be reached on all social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. You can also contact us by email or leave us a voicemail at 516-570-9248. So make sure to contact us now so you can start your podcast soon. And now, a beauty production presents... The most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 50. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we have made it to episode 50 of our podcast. It's a special yeah, time. <laughs> this is really exciting, you know, to... Well, you know, if you would have told me all the work that goes into making a podcast, you know, I thought it was one of those things where it's just we just sit down, record, and talk about whatever. But honestly, a lot of planning has gone into it. It's taken, uh, you know, taken a little over a year for us to get to episode number 50. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, us adjusting our schedules. Um, but it feels really good. I mean, I don't know about you, but this feels good to get to our 50th episode. Definitely a big milestone, um, considering how many people want to start podcasts, but they never actually get to. So, 50 is a good number, and look forward to 50 more for the big 100 in the future. Yeah, certainly exciting time. I know we both have on our uh, Strauss on the Beard Facebook page in the background is the two of us with the 100 sign when you were on radio for that. But uh, 50 is a huge number for us to hit. Uh, I certainly view it as an accomplishment. And comes no closer to the fact that we're getting very close to the NBA Finals. Of course, we'll be talking about more of that in our Nets podcast as Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals is going on now between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. However, because it is the 50th episode of our podcast, we've been talking about it for a couple episodes in previewing. This is going to be our top 10 goats of all time. And so, before we talk about you know, who we have in it. It's between all sports. Anyone is possible. Uh, Both of us chose many different players on it, so we already have a lot of different opinions. It's going to be fun to hear the perspective of Jose on a lot of his guys. Uh, But with each one of us, you know, it it certainly, you'll agree with me on this one, it is tough to create rules and a ranking for a sport in which you know, guys don't play in the same sport. It's tough to compare what is a home run to what will be considered, you know, a three-pointer and other games like, you know, your average compared to shooting percentage. So it's tough to rank as far as different sports to what a player does. So, Jose, what were some of the things you looked at for your rankings when it came to this? Yeah, I mean, you're getting a point across very clearly it's very hard to compare people in different sports because you know as i was doing my list and i'm sure you feel the same way 
you know, I would have one person and be like, oh, no, but what about this person? Or, or what about this person? And try and work them into the list. It's very, very tough to compare greatness across all sports because every sport is different. Um, but like you said, we had to try and create create some kind of ranking system. So for me, what I did was I basically chose the top three people, in my opinion, for each sport. Because, you know, I know, you know, on this list, you're going to try and hit one per sport. But there are some sports that just have too many good players. And we'll get obviously we'll get to that eventually on my list as I do have only one sport that has two players on this list. But what I basically did was I looked at each sport and I picked out three who I think are the greatest players in that sport of all time. I then narrowed it down to a ranking system of who, you know, one, two, three. And then I looked at all the number ones eventually. And I looked at it. And what I said was basically I judged it based on winning, impact on the sport, and most importantly also impact on the perception of the sport. Because, you know, it's one thing to just be a great athlete. But what are you doing to bring eyes to the sport, right? What are you doing to change the game? What are you doing for people to make them want to tune in? Because to me, that is also part of being the GOAT. Why do people think you're the GOAT? Because all eyes are on you when you're, you know, when you're, uh, when you're succeeding, when it matters the most, whether it's in a championship game or, you know, in an all-star game amongst other great players. So to me, it's, you know, obviously being the greatest in your sport, uh, you know, how have you changed the game? Uh, across the sport and how have you changed it in the perception of eyes of other people as well so I thought one of the things you mentioned was interesting you took the top three of each sport and there is a big reason why uh, as a spoiler soccer as an example is not on mine at all and that is because I had a tough time distinguishing between Messier, Ronaldo, and Pele. Because they all three, you can make the case for, are the greatest player in their sport. And it became too much of a challenge to separate any one of those particular three men that I couldn't put them on my rankings because one of the big things of the determining factor for me was separation in your sport. The more separation you create between yourself and the number two guy, the higher on the ranking chart I put you in. And so that was a big weight for me because you know if you're going to be the goat of uh, of goats, you have to stand out already in your sport alone. So the more separation you create between one and two. The higher I rank you on that, uh, certainly the stats will speak out for itself. A lot more uh, weight towards if you're first in a lot more stats than if you're second or third at times. Uh, So the stats did weigh heavily, but for me, separation is clear in how you distinguish yourself. And another part you made that was one of the things I took, uh, the impact on your sport, not just how you were on the field but you know were you able to create a sport and make it you know worldwide make it more global uh bring it to a a higher point than it was beforehand so with that uh obviously i'm going to ask jose if he's got any other uh 
points to it before we jump into it, but uh, what we are going to do is we're going to go down 10 to 1, 10 being obviously 10, 1 being what we consider the goat of the goats in all sports. Uh, so we'll be starting with 10 and working our way down from there. But with that, uh, Jose, any further additional comments you want to start before we jump right into the goats of goats? No, I'm, you know, honestly, I'm just very excited, but I'm also very nervous at the same time because I know there's going to be people listening to this saying, what, how can you choose that person? It's just, you know, this is one of those things where I feel like if you ask 100 people in a room to do their top 10, you're probably going to get 100 different answers and combinations. I mean, it's just so hard to do this. And even right now, I have the 10 in front of me. I'm already starting to second guess whether I should have chose somebody else. Um, it's just really tough. And I'm just, I'm curious. I know more or less who you're picking on your side. I'm just, I'm curious to see uh, some, to hear some more of your reasoning on beyond these things too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be certainly entertaining. Uh, and, you know, I have my rank already ready to set go. Uh, you know, Jose, do you want to kick it off with your 10th or do you want me to jump first? Yeah, I'll start. But just before we start also, I want to give some honorable mentions too. Some people who didn't quite make the cut, but I was really struggling with, honestly. Um Jerry Rice, phenomenal wide receiver. Um, to me, I only have one per you know, spoiler alert, I only have one football person on this list, which to me was the biggest shock when it was all said and done, right? Because there's so many talented players in football, whether it's on the quarterback side or whether it's on the wide receiver side. And I feel like Jerry Rice, um, definitely a talented receiver, holds most of, a bulk of the receiving uh, records in the NFL. Very hard to keep him off the list, but he did not make the top ten. Floyd Mayweather was another one. I mean, we're talking about one of the like the only undefeated boxer of all time, one of the very few. So, you know, for him, a guy who really changed the boxing game over the past what ten to fifteen years. I mean, for him not to make the list was also you know a really shock to myself. Um, but he definitely gets an honorable mention. And of course, uh, you know, a guy like Michael Phelps, who yes, shockingly, Michael Phelps is not on my list. Spoiler. Um, you know, this is a guy who definitely changed the game when it came to the Olympics. Um, he had everybody glued to their television. I know a lot of people who didn't even watch the, who didn't like the Olympics, who couldn't, you know, didn't look at swimming as a sport, who ended up watching Michael Phelps and tuning in um, as he was winning these gold medals. So those three are definitely honorable mentions. With that being said, my number 10 pick is Lindsey Vaughn. And this is, you know, a little bit of a wild card here, but I wanted to start it off with giving some love to a dudette who is one of the goats. Um, Lindsey Vaughn, as you know, or if you don't know, is a skier. Um, she has won four World Cup titles. Uh, she has one gold medal from the 2010 Olympics and two bronze medals, one in 2010 and one in 2018. She recently retired from competitive skiing. She had a lot of knee injuries later on in her career. But again, we're talking about a very unique sport in skiing. Um, to me, not many people can do it. I mean, not many people can do it competitively. Uh, you know, a lot of families like to go up to retreats and stuff and ski down the slopes. I hope that's the right terminology. I don't know if I used it right or not. But to me, you know, there's a certain skill and a certain finesse that has to come, especially with winter sports like these. Um, you know, especially a sport that has such a risk of injury. Uh, you know, you could fall off your snowboard. You could fall off your skis. There's definitely little margin for error when you're on these slopes, especially in the Olympics, and you're trying to get that perfect score or to get a good score from the judges. So to me, for Lindsey Vaughn to do that definitely, you know, is one of those things where it puts her up there in her class. And then 
you know, when you throw in the fact a little nugget for you, you know, in her World Cup rankings, yes, there is a World Cup for skiing. She's won 82 events. That's 20 more than her closest competitor. So going back to one of your rubrics, Nick, the spacing in between. There's not that many. I mean, I'm sure there's other great skiers, but there's no one that comes close to the World Cup level of Lindsey Vaughn. So Lindsey Vaughn, an Olympian, also one of the better female athletes out there, giving it some love there for my number 10 spot. All right, so Lindsey Vaughn already makes the list for Jose. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with a big name also. I think we're all going to have big names on this no matter what. But number 10 is going to be LeBron James for me. At uh, number 10. Ooh. At number 10. Right off the bat, I'm, I feel like I'm going to start off with a very controversial pick uh, for me. But, you know, this is LeBron James. I, I don't think it's really that hard of a case to make for LeBron. He's the greatest player in the NBA. He's passed Michael Jordan years ago. Now he's just running away with it. He's fourth all-time in points. He's going to pass Kobe next season. He'll be third. He's 16th in steals. He'll be 11th after next season. He's 10th in assists. He'll move to eight. He's the only player in NBA history. 8,000 assists, 8,000 rebounds, 30,000 points. I mean, you stand you stand out on yourself when you're putting up all the numbers. We know everything about He's the biggest player in the NBA. He has changed. Really, the NFL stood alone as the number one sport. The NBA is very much on the rise of passing the NFL as the top sport. And a lot of that is because of LeBron James. Because of the name that he has created. Three championships, nine appearances in the finals. A lot of people would say sits finals losses would be more of a critique than make you the greatest player of all time. But I say the opposite. That's nine appearances. Not many people are going into the NBA finals nine times. Certainly not many players are going there eight times in a row. When we think back of those kind of numbers... We're thinking about the early beginning of the NBA and most sports when there's not many teams. And it's just one or two teams that are just able to dominate the entire part. Not one player that's able to just dominate an entire Eastern Conference from the moment he got there to the moment he left. And he also has what I think is one of the greatest finals comebacks for a championship ever. Uh, you know, most people don't view the separation between him and MJ that far. And I think that's, and I'm giving that a little bit of a reason on just a fan perspective. But for me, LeBron James is much better than Michael Jordan, and he sits at 10. So moving on to number nine now, for me, I'm actually going to go with Tiger Woods a guy who recently made a comeback. But I will tell you this, Nick, even if he didn't make that comeback, he still cracks my top 10 um, for GOAT of the GOATs. I mean, you're talking about 107 career tour wins, including 80 on the PGA Tour. He's won 14 major championships. And if anything, I think him coming back and winning this next one that he recently won, put the cherry on top on why he should be in the top 10. I mean, we're talking about a guy who definitely is a great golfer. And 
it's funny because in golf, you know, there's a lot of different names you can probably pull out here. But, you know, going back to my rubric, how you change the game, how you elevated the game and how, you know, other people impact you. You go around to 100 people on the street, I bet you 90 of them, if you say, hey, name one golfer, they're going to say Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods definitely revolutionized golf and gave it a face. He gave it an identity because, you know, you hear most people say golf is a business sport. Golf is boring. I rather watch paint dry. But you know what? A lot of people are invested in Tiger Woods. There's a lot of reasons why. Um, you know, he, he's a great athlete. He's also great in terms of African-American representation in the sport uh, or across all sports anyways. And, you know, he brings that element to it where, you know, Tiger Woods is just elevating the game. And again, you know, he signs a big deal with Nike for a lot of years. Nike, you know, he was one of the, the very few faces of Nike. When you think of Nike as a brand, you think of guys like LeBron James, you think of guys like Tiger Woods. So, you know, he's definitely one of the faces. If Nike had a Mount Rushmore in terms of athlete sponsors, Tiger Woods would be on there. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to add character in my rubric. I think you have to be a great human being in order to be a GOAT, in my opinion. And yes, Tiger Woods has had his flaws. But one thing that is special about Tiger is that he's owned up to his mistakes. He's, you know, He clearly was upset about the downfall of his life-slash-career when it happened. But instead of complaining and making excuses, he worked hard, got back on you know, his grind, and eventually won another major championship when a lot of people thought he was done. So that, to me, really stands out in terms of the perseverance to get back to where he is. I, I Clearly, you know, he's not the same golfer that he used to be. But to me, that cemented and added to his legacy as one of the best golfers of all time. And again, most importantly, he gave golf a face, which it didn't have before. When you think of golf, you think of Tiger Woods. So... For me at number nine, I'm going Muhammad Ali. 56 wins, five losses, 37 knockouts. And when you just brought up on Tiger Woods, he he changed the sport. It, it became watchable. He has the population of the sport. Uh, if he's not in a PGA match, you know it just doesn't get the same viewership without him. Uh, but Muhammad Ali brought boxing out from like the underground and into a main event into Las Vegas, into Madison Square Garden, bringing out everything about it. And, and this is during a time when, you know, you brought up race. You, you don't expect really men of color and, and men of like Muhammad as a name to be more in a confrontational status. And yet that's exactly what Muhammad Ali was when he refused to go uh, to war, uh, refused to be drafted. And it cost Muhammad Ali three and a half years of boxing at a time where this happened in 1967 till 1970. But in 1966, Ali had five title defenses in that same year. We're used to seeing like Floyd Mayweather fight, what, once a year at best? Once every like two years? Ali's fighting five title defenses in 1966 against five different opponents. That That's to me incredible. And this guy again, 
made the sport prime time, made it a main event, made it what it is today. And this is where it got challenging for me because Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer. And LeBron James is the greatest basketball player. But the reason that they are so on 10 and 9 is because the separation that LeBron struggles to uh, create more of against Michael Jordan, and especially on the same path for Muhammad Ali uh, against Floyd Mayweather. You, You had Floyd as one of your honorable mentions. Floyd Mayweather is another one for me on honorable mentions. Uh, you know, it's hard to not put in a guy that's undefeated in boxing like Floyd Mayweather, but Ali is the better fighter. Uh, Ali, if they two of them fought ever to ever, would win. Um, and Ali is the greatest professional boxer all time, but you know, there is a very close case to be made between Ali and Floyd Mayweather that that's why, like I said in the beginning, for me, separation was a key factor. And in the early part of my ranking, that's what I'm going by very strongly on creating separation between the one and the two. And Ali doesn't have too much of a true separation, but he gets enough to be the greatest boxer of all time, and put put ninth on my list. Okay, so for number eight, I know I'm going to draw a lot of criticism for ranking him this low. And I'm prepared for it. Uh, I'm taking Wayne Gretzky at number eight. Um, Hands down, the only hockey person to make my list. Hands down, the best player ever in the NHL. Four-time Stanley Cup winner. Nine-time winner of the Hart Trophy. Most regular season goals, assists, points, and hat tricks. Definitely, definitely the GOAT of the NHL. But he's ranked eight on my list just because of the fact, and this is something I I feel really bad for, Nick, when I was making this list. I was like, oh, how am I ranking Gretzky so low? It's just I feel like other players had an impact, not bigger impacts in their sports, but bigger impacts in, again, how the sport gets represented, right? The NHL still has some pretty low ratings even to this day. Granted, a guy like Gretzky, you know, that was when hockey was probably at its all-time high. But again, Wayne Gretzky was the face of hockey. He's one of the better players ever to play in the NHL. But it didn't really do anything to elevate the game of hockey at the time. Um, So, you know, when you look at other people on this list that I'm going to name later on, they brought the sport to where it is today. And all eyes are on them. I can't make the same argument for people when it came to the NHL during that time. I can't tell you that the ratings fluctuated every time Rain Gretzky took the ice. NHL does have their niche followers. They have their consistent followers. They have their consistent fans who love the sport of hockey. Nothing wrong with that. And I will admit that I've been sleeping on hockey for years. It never really caught my attention until a couple of years ago when I watched a couple of games and really invested in it, that you really fall in love with the sport. You fall in love with the fast-paced environment. And again, Wayne Gretzky is definitely one of the top goats of the goats, but he falls to number eight on my list because he didn't, and it's not his fault. I'm not saying you know Gretzky should have done more. It's just that in the eyes of the community, NHL has never been a prominent sport. Therefore, he comes in at number eight for me. Yeah, yeah, and part of the challenge for this is, you know, creating a system of ranking. Uh, and and you know, I, I 
certainly of Dresdsky and he is uh, a bit higher. He's not my number eight. Uh, eight's going to go to Usain Bolt. And I think you had uh, Usain, what you said was an honorable mention or was that uh, just Michael Phelps? Jose. It was Michael Phelps. It was Michael Phelps. Sorry, I wasn't yeah. sure. I knew one of the gold medalists was out. Uh, but Usain Bolt is on mine. Nine gold medals over three Olympic uh, times. Basically, was you know the triple crown winner uh, between the 100 meter, 200 meter, and 400 meter relay races. Won all three times in three different uh, years. He he's really considered the fastest man alive, and in 2009 he made no doubt about that when he set the record for the 100 meter. And the 200 meter race. Pretty much at the same time on both of these. uh, After you double it. An 11 time champ. He. he, At a time where. You know. We try and find moments to really watch the Olympics. There's. There's select few moments. And especially when you consider, you know, for the United States, there's normally for the United States, it only cares about when it is somebody from the U.S. that is overtaking the Olympics. Uh, we, we can think of like a Michael Phelps as an example. Uh, we can think of like the dream teams when it comes to basketball. But Usain Bolt is the exact opposite of that. When he comes on, and it's not from the United States, and he's one of the biggest must-sees when it comes to the Olympics. And he certainly set out every expectation, blowing out the numbers for the races, and easily gets put eighth on my list as one of the greatest So, it's funny how you brought him up. Well, at number seven for me is Usain Bolt. Um, You know, a lot of the reasons are the same thing is that he's the fastest man alive. Uh, So, I don't want to spend too much time on it after you just gave every other reason. But again, one thing I want to point on, especially for my rubric, is that he gave the sport a face. And everybody was tuning in to see Usain Bolt. Um, to me, it's one of those things where, you know, they give the reruns for the Olympics pretty late at night, but for some reason you were still staying up during the summer every time to watch Usain Bolt run. Um, again, he just, he brought eyes to the screen. You gave a lot of reasons for it, so I don't want to reiterate and regurgitate it. Um, but he clocks in at number seven for me above the rest, because again, he gave the sport a face and he really elevated it to where it was. And he's just the fastest man alive. So there's a lot of distance between him and the second place person. No, you know, no pun intended. That is pretty close for us <laughs> on, uh, you know, seven and eight on the ranking. Uh, that's the closest we've gotten so far is the same person. All right, coming in for seven for me, we're still talking about the Olympics on this. Uh, no surprise, we're, we're mentioning a lot of the Olympics because, you know, separation of the greatest. Uh, Michael Phelps, 28 total medals, 23 of them gold, 13 of them individual events 
he's pretty much nicknamed the human fish. This is the only man alive where I feel like he would be more comfortable if you had him in the water than had him on land at all times. Uh, Eight gold medals in 2008, and he was the most successful athlete for Olympics in a row. Each one of the Olympics he participated in, most successful athlete of getting the most golds or the most medals at that time. Twice he wound up with eight gold medals in a single Olympics. The, the medals are outstanding. Just dominating an entire Olympic sport. And on top of that, and this is, again, why he is above Usain Bolt. Obviously, the medals are a big reason why. But when you consider Usain Bolt, it's just running. It, it is just running one event and running one speed at the entire time that it doesn't change. For Michael Phelps, this is a guy that was swimming in all different types of swimming events where you have to do a different style of swimming for these events. And normally when you think of swimming, yeah, there's, you know, there can be one guy that's great at the butterfly, one guy just great at standard swimming, one guy great at this. And for Michael Phelps, he was incredible at all of them. And that, that to me is a total separation between why I have Phelps above Usain Bolt and easily why, um, for me, Michael Phelps made my list. Well, number six for me is going to be LeBron James and um, a lot of the reasons you gave. And yes, I have LeBron James on my list too, but I have him much higher than you do, which is something to really point out um, in this scenario. Uh, So for LeBron James, like you said, uh, I think he's one of the best players of all time. I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's better than Jordan. And me and you go back and forth about this all the time. We could really, we could probably have a podcast just trying to debate who's better between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. LeBron James is definitely one of the best players in the NBA. When it's all said and done, he's going to hold numerous stats when his career is over. To me, like again, from my rubric, elevating the game. When a period when Jordan was gone and Kobe Kobe's best year was dwindling down. It was LeBron James who took the torch, right? Think of how Zion is, you know, projected today to be a beast in the NBA. That was LeBron James coming out of high school, right? He was, you know, expected to take the torch early on. And a lot of people thought, well, are we overhyping this kid? Should we just pump the brakes a little bit? And LeBron James said no. He ran full force with it. We're talking about a kid who came from nothing and gained everything over his career from changing the shoe game for Nike, uh, getting one of the largest contracts in history, uh, to becoming one of the best players on the court when he wasn't supposed to be, right? That's another thing I like about some of these athletes, too, is that a lot of them overcame social hardships in their life. And, you know, know, a lot of them grew up in places that weren't great, but they still had the support system from their family and were able to make it out of there and become something with their lives. LeBron James, again, he elevated the sport to a point where you know now you're seeing younger players like Steph Curry take over. But what's also impressive is that LeBron James, even at age, what, 35, 36, is still considered one of the top five players in the game. 
It's not supposed to be that way. When you get older, you're supposed to decline. And still, yes, LeBron James, he, did, he didn't have a typical LeBron James season last year, but you'd still take that season over anybody on the New York Knicks last year. You'd still, you know, you'd still take that season gladly in a heartbeat. So LeBron James, to me, you know, doing it at the age that he's doing at really elevates him when it comes to this conversation because there's a lot of players that are great in the NBA that weren't doing this at age 36, 37, 38. And I'm very curious to see how long LeBron James keeps playing for. And not only that, but what LeBron James does for the community, the I Promise School back in his hometown, constantly taking on social projects to help, you know, help out the community in ways that other athletes don't or are just not interested in doing. Uh, to me, LeBron James is the full package. You know, great player, great humanitarian, and again, overcoming the odds and still doing it even at age post-35. Not a thing that some of these athletes on this on this list can brag about. So for me, I'll be the first to put a tennis guy out there, and that is Roger Federer. Uh, first all-time in men's single Grand Slams, 20 total second most career single titles and you know when you talked about Roger Federer we've been talking about him for years for over the last 15 plus and Roger Federer has been one thing consistent and that's number one he's practically ranked number one tennis player in the world every single time it comes out for the last 15 plus years. And to me, that's just mind-boggling how you can be the best at your sport, you know, when you're in the beginning, when you're in your prime. Of course you're going to be there. But even this year, he still was ranked in, in one of the top, if not number one, all the time. And so it's incredible to think that he consistently is, you know, by far the greatest tennis player. He already is the all-time singles Grand Slam. And, you know, even in just taking a small sample, from 2004 to 2007, there were 16 total Grand Slams. Federer won 11 of them. You, you talked about domination. That was Roger Federer. And that's just a small sample of four years of what's been an amazing career for Federer. But that that's to show you, you know, guys that are in their true prime. And this went for the span of a very long time for Federer. And so he's easily on there for me uh, as the greatest men's singles tennis player. Uh, so we've gotten halfway through. And Jose, I, I do want to, we'll do take a little bit of that time to talk about the sits through 10 uh, for you. And I know Wayne Dredge stands out to me as one of your surprise pits, but for you, which one was the toughest one to put in uh, between them and your honorable mentions? Honestly, I, I really feel like the toughest one was Lindsey Vaughn. I feel like that number 10 spot. Because I feel I feel like I'm I was pretty sold on the nine that I chose. And it was that last person, the last person who should have made it into me 
um, was a really, really, really tough choice. You know, between Lindsey Vaughn, between Michael Phelps, between Floyd Mayweather, these are all people who are phenomenal athletes. And it was just a really hard struggle, you know, because, you know, according to my rubric, too, about who changed the game, all these people really did give a face to the sport because, you know, obviously Muhammad Ali is a great boxer and obviously, like we said, one of the greatest of all time. But Floyd Mayweather has been the face of boxing for like the past, what, decade? You know, he really brought boxing back, in my opinion. It's the reason why we watch guys like Anthony Joshua. It's the reason why we watch guys like Deontay Wilder. You know, it's the reason why we like that trash talk, because Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather changed that. Um, so it's very, very hard um, to leave him off the list. Uh, but to me, you know, Lindsey Vaughn made the cut. Same thing with Michael Phelps. You know, he definitely changed the game when it came to Olympics and swimming. Like I said, a lot of people that I know who are foolish – you know, didn't look at swimming as a sport, but they were glued to their televisions when he was making history, winning all those gold medals. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so definitely it was the 10th and final spot that was the hardest, in my opinion, because, you know, once you get to 10, you're like, OK, these are my 10. But I'm also leaving off so many people. So it's always that last choice that's always the most controversial for me. Yeah, for me, uh, number eight, you're saying Bolton, why am choosing eight and then you wouldn't say why aren't you picking 10 on that one uh separation was the reason why lebron and muhammad ali were put at nine and ten uh but for usain bolt you know there there were so many options to choose from uh like you said uh floyd mayweather uh it, it, it is tough not putting him on this list uh i only took one person from each sport so I don't have any guys from soccer. I I don't have Michael Jordan on mine. I certainly, you know, I could have made a case of putting Michael Jordan on this and LeBron James and not having Usain Bolt. Uh, you know, as much as I love poker, I don't have any poker players on my list. Uh, so there, there's, you know, a few different guys. But Usain Bolt uh, was, you know, basically... I guess he ran past everybody else to get it. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, that to me, was the hardest pick, uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, because, you know, when you look at it and compare him to Michael Phelps, the medals just, there. there is a difference for me on that one. But setting multiple records uh, still got him in at the end of the day. And with that, we get to our top five in it. Uh, so I'll start off with mine for the fifth, and I'm going to take Serena Williams as fifth. She's the only female I'm going to have on my list, and a well, well-deserving one. Uh, she's not only the greatest woman tennis player, she's the greatest women's athlete of all time. And... 23 Grand Slams is the second most for all uh, for any women's tennis player. She, the number one is only 24. So she will tie and then eventually pass for the most Grand Slams all time. Uh, with that, you know, she's been the best professional tennis player. When you think of the same way when Roger Federer has been the best tennis player for as long as he has, Serena Williams has been the same way. Uh, for women's tennis. She has made it a much more popular sport. She has 
brought out way more popularity to women's sports in general because of what she has done. And, you know, last but not least, she's won a major while being pregnant. You talked about mind-bottling and sort of like impossible things to do. Serena Williams constantly exceeds the bar standards and a phenomenal athlete at the end of the day. The greatest woman athlete, and she makes fifth on my list. For me, my top five starts with Muhammad Ali, one that you had ranked a little bit lower. Um, to me, greatest boxer of all time. I feel like he beats out Floyd Mayweather by a sizable margin. Um, this is a guy who really revolutionized boxing, right? The combination of his charisma and his skill brought eyes to the product. Um, I feel like a lot of people felt like they connected with Muhammad Ali. Even though he was like a superhuman, he was so strong and so fast, and he moved in and out, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I mean, sting like a bee. That's a great quote, you know, off the bat. Um, even though he was this extremely tough guy, I feel like a lot of people identified with him. Also, he's a very he's a social warrior, man. I mean, like during the time of the, of the draft, you know, he refused to go. You know, he stuck up. You know, in you know during the civil rights movement, he was there. He was not afraid to back down. Um, so to me, again, this is an example almost like LeBron James of an athlete having an impact on the community. Um, clearly, though, Muhammad Ali's impact is greater, right? Because he was out there during the civil rights time. There are very different times than right now from what LeBron is doing, not to discredit anybody's work. But Muhammad Ali really put himself out there for his community, for his people, during a time where things were not perfect. Things were not great for a lot of people, and yet Muhammad Ali was front and center, not caring if he lost sponsors, not caring if, you know, the repercussions of what would happen in his sport if he if he stood on the wrong, you know, he stepped on the wrong toes, said the wrong thing. You know, we live in a time where Colin Kaepernick can't even protest properly because why? He's unemployed, you know? Muhammad Ali didn't care about any of that back then, which is during a time where it definitely could have happened that he could have lost a, a job or two you know, or, or something because of the fact that he was standing up for his rights. So to me, that stands out a lot when I talk about Muhammad Ali. Great boxer, brought eyes to the product, and a lot of people cheered him on because they felt like he was one of us. He was one of the, you know, to steal the great one, the Rocks quote, who didn't make my GOAT list, by the way. Sorry, WWE fans. You know, the people's champ, I don't think that's any more true when it comes to Muhammad Ali. He really was a people's champion. Uh, yeah, uh, easily one of the, you know, easy pits to make was Muhammad Ali. Uh, one of the challenging pits was knocking off Floyd Wait, Mayweather. Uh, with that, for me, number four, Jack Nicholas put in the first golfer for mine on the list. 18 total majors, most all time. 73 PGA Tour victories is third all-time. But 73 is also a unique number for Nicholas. Because of his 73 times that he won the PGA Tour, 73 is also the number that he finished in the top 10 in PGA Tours. So you have one that he's won, you know, all these with. 
and 73 that he finishes in the top 10. He only had a total of 164. And 146 of them, he's in the minimum of a top 10 finish. And just under half of them, he wins all those PGA Tours. Also, with his 18 total majors won, well, he's got a few other uh, stats on that one. 19 times he was the runner-up. And another 9 times he finished 3rd. This guy dominated golf. When it's interesting so much about Jack Nicklaus, because Tiger, like you've mentioned, I think, uh, he has made the sport and elevated the sport. When he's playing, it's a whole nother game. But Jack Nicklaus' numbers and stats and victories... Tiger Woods will never catch. And Tiger Woods has been the face of golf since the moment Tiger Woods stepped on a golf course. And Tiger Woods has been one of the best players in golf for however long and almost seemed like he was becoming again the best golfer. And he's not even anywhere near Jack Nicholas. Uh, he easily gets fourth on mine. And easily was going to be finishing in the top five. It was just a matter of where to put him. For me, for number four, I have Hank Aaron. My first baseball choice and my only baseball choice on the list. To me, Hank Aaron, best baseball player of all time. We're talking about 755 career home runs. Um, To me, the true home run king um, you know, Hank Aaron was something special. Uh, and, you know, you can go through all the stats you want. You start the stats you want. Um, you know, he holds a lot of them when it's all said and done. I mean, Hank Aaron, Hall of Fame, inducted in 1982, 755 career home runs, a 305 batting average, 2,297 RBIs, only three away from 3,000, which is a little disappointing. But, um, you know, this is a guy who really changed the game of baseball, too. I mean, not many guys, not many guys can play for 23 years like he did. Um, and he really changed the culture in Atlanta, too, when they became the Atlanta Braves. Um, I feel like, you know, he really brought baseball to Atlanta uh, when they came, uh, when eventually the Braves, you know, became the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, for a guy, like, you know, every guy, you know, every team has their franchise player. Uh, you know, for the Braves, you can argue Chipper Jones and all these other, you know, Greg Maddox and all these other great players that played for them. But Hank Aaron, I think, is first and foremost the best player to ever put on a Braves uniform. Um, again, 755 home runs. Didn't take steroids, as far as we know, right, to cheat. Um, otherwise, Barry Bonds would be the home run king. But I don't, you know, I don't consider Barry Bonds the home run king. Uh, so to me, it's Hank Aaron, hands down, the only baseball player to make the list and the best baseball player, the best, the GOAT of baseball and the number four on my list. So the number three on mine is also my only baseball player. Uh, it is not Hank Aaron. It is Babe Ruth. So we we have a lot of disparities in our top ten. It, it's actually pretty unique. Uh, 
Especially I'm telling when, you, man, you get a hundred different answers if you ask a hundred different people. I, I certainly agree. This isn't like Family Feud where you know majority of them are going to be pinpoint number one. Um, yeah, to me, number three, Babe Ruth. And for me, he is the greatest baseball player of all time. And it's not even close on who's after that. Uh, you did mention Hank Darren. He is... I also think the home run king. I don't really put Barry Bonds on that list. Uh, Babe Ruth, 714 home runs. That doesn't have more than Hank Aaron. But what Babe Ruth does have also is 1,500 less at-bats than Barry Bonds, who would be you know, the number one guy technically with steroids. But And Hank Aaron has way more than 1,500 at-bats than Babe Ruth. On top of that, 342 career batting average, that's eighth all-time. I didn't think when you think of a home run hitter like Babe Ruth, you don't think batting average. And here he's tied eighth all-time in batting average. He's sixth all-time in RBIs. Again, 15-plus hundred at-bats is the next closest guy in this area of top five. And that's, uh, again, that's, again, Barry Bonds. The only other guy in the RBI thing is Lou Derrick, who had less at-bats than Babe Ruth. Uh, tied for fourth in runs. Again, 1,500 to Barry Bonds, who's in the next closest in the top five. But beyond that, we also know Babe Ruth was a pitcher. This was incredible for me to find out. He won 94 games. We all knew he won mid ninety. He started in just 147 games. He pitched in a total of 163 games, and he's won 94 of them. 107 complete games, 17 shutouts, and in a three-year span, three straight years. He only had five years where he pitched 15 starts and a minimum of 133 innings. In those five years, 2.97 ERA was his highest time. And in a three-year span... Of his best three, 65 wins, 33 losses, throwing 867 innings. Here's a fun fact. Tate Twain Kershaw, Jacob DeGrom, Matt Scherzer, Chris Sale, and even I included on this to find out, CeCe Sabathia. When you think of these guys, they're the greatest pitchers of the era right now in baseball. And CeCe is what is... The first ballot type Hall of Fame pitcher nets to go in the MLB. I think, Jose, you can agree with me on all that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Best pitchers in CC is probably the Nets Hall of Famer. Uh, or that's at least in this era. Uh, none of them, if you take their three best years, have anywhere close to 65 wins. I think CeCe's the closest at 59. None of them are even near 800-plus innings pitched in a three-year span. Babe Ruth had two years where he threw back-to-back 300-plus innings. This guy was an extremely dominant hitter. His homers and his average show that. And, of course, other stats like runs and RBIs are going to be extremely high. But these pitching stats show that he would have been one of the greatest pitchers of all time if he was a pitcher. He dominated both sides, and no other player in baseball has done that. 
he's easily third all time. And I'm of course going to talk more about Babe Ruth than any other player because it's baseball and why not, right? <laughs> but with that, let's jump to number two. Uh, no, you have number three still, right, Jose? Yeah, I still have to get my number three. Let's go to uh, three and then hit two. My number three is Serena Williams, who was less on your list. So my only tennis player to crack the list and my second female athlete to crack the list as well. Again, don't want to regurgitate a lot of the things you said. All the Grand Slam titles competed while pregnant. I mean, I can't even compete, you know, if I have a minor ache in my leg. I mean, I so, you know, to, to be pregnant and competing, that's something uh, magical in itself, honestly, because that's some superhuman stuff right there because I couldn't even possibly think how she could do that. Um, not only one of the best tennis players, I think she's the best tennis player ever, man or woman. Um, again, she gave a face to the sport. When I think of tennis, you know, yeah, there's Roger Federer and there's Andy Roddick and all these guys from back then, Andre Agassi. But when I think of tennis, I think of Serena Williams. I think of, you know, all her influential Nike ads. I think the, of the role model that she is for a lot of young women out there who are trying to find their way in sports, which sometimes can be perceived as a, a man's game um, because of, you know, the, the, the attention – the more money and the attention that we go into male athletics than, it, than we do into female sports like the WNBA and, and softball and stuff. You know, uh, women's tennis is probably one of the more, um, the more, you know, acceptably funded uh, women's sports that we have. You know, they're, you know women, uh, women's tennis is probably one of the only sports where it's a, almost an equal platform as men's tennis, right? Because both get aired, get the same amount of airtime on screen. Uh, both get the same amount of coverage. You know, it's not like NBA and WNBA where there's a clear staggering difference between uh, WNBA's coverage and NBA's coverage, even though they're trying to ramp up the WNBA, right? There's a clear difference when, you know, when people talk about that stuff. But the, to me, there's no difference when we talk about it for tennis. And I think, you know, because they have the platform, Serena Williams is able to showcase her abilities. And she's really put herself above the rest. Again, not just a woman, but I feel like she's the best tennis player out there, point blank, even over the men. I would love to see a good old-fashioned tennis match between her and Roger Federer. I think that would be amazing uh, to watch those two go at it. But to me, uh, you know, she's such an inspiration. She's such a role model. And again, that goes into how did you change the game? How did you elevate the game to the public? And I feel like, again, a lot of people don't like tennis, but a lot of people like Serena Williams. And I feel like that's a big, you know, that has to do with the way she plays the game and how she goes about her business. Yeah, it was it was very tough to not put Serena Williams higher on my list. And the real challenge for me was uh, we're doing this, and obviously she will pass for the most Grand Slams uh, for uh, women's tennis. But at the moment, she's not. And I think I could put her as far as I could until it became, you know, to the point where she just can't pass at the the number anybody that's just the clear number one, and that's where I have my final four. Uh, with that though, we are down to the final two of each of us. And Jose, who's your number two guy? My number two guy is going to be Michael Jordan, a guy who, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick has not appeared on your list. 
and will not. <laughs> a guy who won six cha- has been to six championships and has won six championships. A guy who took a break and came back and won three more championships. That bothers me a little bit that he's not on your list at all. Um, to me, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player. You know, he may not be number one in every single category, which might defeat the purpose of the GOAT. I understand that. But when you go to six finals, it's not easy to get to the finals, right? LeBron's done it eight times. How many times nine, has LeBron come out nine, on top? Nine. nine. Oh, sorry. Nine. I forgot one. Nine. <laughs> How many has he won, though? Three? Only three? Come on. I mean, when you have that many opportunities, you got to come out. I'm not saying you got to win all nine. But if LeBron wins five out of the nine, six out of the nine, I think LeBron passes Michael Jordan easily for you know, the best basketball player of all time. Because as much as people like to say championships don't matter, they do. Because that's what they play the game for. You think LeBron James plays basketball to be the runner-up nine nine times? Like, no, he doesn't. He goes out there because he wants to win the ring. Winning the championship is the ultimate goal. I will, I can, you know, I can tell you, there's a lot of people who are in the Hall of Fame that are not champions, right? And rightfully so, because just because you didn't win a championship doesn't mean you're not a great player. But I bet you there are a lot of people out there who would trade in a Hall of Fame plaque for a championship ring or for a championship trophy because that's what they were playing the game for. That's what they wanted. So for Michael Jordan to get to the final six times and to convert all six, including taking a break in between, that to me is phenomenal. I also give credit to Michael Jordan for trying another sport. Yes, he failed miserably when he tried baseball, but he went out of his comfort zone. That doesn't mean I want to put Tim Tebow on his list because he sucks at both of his sports. Anyways, side note, I just had to throw a dig at Tim Tebow there for a second. I'm actually going to go to Syracuse, and I'm probably going to watch him stink up the field uh, pretty soon in June. So anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. Michael Jordan, again, elevated the game in the 90s, really became the face of the NBA until Kobe and LeBron took over once Jordan left. So again, brought a lot of eyes to the sport and made one of the best movies of all time in Space Jam. How can you forget that and leave that off your list, Nick? So to me, Jordan, number two on the list, because again, he doesn't hold every stat in the book, uh, but still to me, the go to basketball and definitely convert six title opportunities all six times. Very big deal in my mind. So number two is Michael Jordan. No, you won't see Jordan on my list, folks. <laughs> Space Jam hater. What are you talking about? There's a second one coming out. There is, and it probably won't be as good. But go on. So, number two for me is going to be Tom Brady. Fourth all-time passing yards. Third all-time in touchdowns. He'll be second after this year. He'll surpass Peyton Manning and a few others. Fourth all-time in passing rating. But when we think Tom Brady, Jose just talked about it. It's about championships. And that's all it is with Tom Brady. Most Super Bowls, most Super Bowl appearances, most passing yards in the playoffs, most playoff wins, most playoff touchdowns. One of the greatest comebacks of all time. And really, when you think also of Tom Brady, we, as Giant fans, we think of it as, you know, we're the one of the two teams that have beaten the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and we think of it as we've beaten them twice. But there's just two catches that separate the Patriots from having two more Super Bowls. 
And there's one where if it doesn't just stay on the helmet, you're talking about an undefeated season for the New England Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady easily has got to be on this list for me. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the greatest football player of all time. He is part of an era where the position has changed. It has evolved to being a throwing position. And age has not factored on him. At all. Ever. They just won another Super Bowl. He's 40 what now? It is incredible when you think of how much Tom Brady has destroyed the AFC East when it comes to coaches there. It is incredible how much Tom Brady has destroyed the AFC Conference when you uh, when he's constantly there. He's in every Super Bowl. He's in every AFC Championship, it seems. He's constantly winning. He is really the ultimate winner in professional sports. And he's by far the greatest NFL player. And one of the big factors that I really looked at also when it came to the final few, it's can anybody surpass the numbers that you have? And when you think of the playoffs, no one is going to surpass Tom Brady in playoff wins, in Super Bowl wins, in Super Bowl appearances, and maybe playoff touchdowns will be the chance. But when it comes to getting to the Super Bowl, when it comes to winning the Super Bowl, nobody in the NFL, as far as quarterbacks go, is ever going to stand a chance to Tom Brady's numbers. So down to the final one. Who is my goat of the goats? And it's funny because it's the only football player to make my list. Someone you just mentioned to me, the goat of the goats is Tom Brady. For a lot of the same reasons that you gave. Six Super Bowl titles. Um, you know, you know, nobody's going to come close. You know, a lot of there's always a lot of speculation. I know we're, I'm probably getting a lot of criticism for this because there's always a talk about, well, is it Tom Brady or is it the system that he plays in? I believe that if you put Tom Brady on any other team, he still wins these Super Bowls. Maybe not all six, but he still definitely wins three or four titles in my mind. He's that good. Like you said, 40 years old, he could probably still play this game for another 10 years. I know Jets fans don't want to hear that. But honestly, Tom Brady can play for as long as he wants to because he's in phenomenal shape. He looks like he's 20-something years old. This guy takes his game seriously. Again, bringing a face to the sport. And there's a lot of faces in the NFL right now, but I bet you if I go out on the street and I ask 100 people to name an NFL player, they're going to tell me Tom Brady. You know, he's a guy who's willing to sacrifice things. When's the last time, Nick, that Tom Brady's had a big contract? He hasn't because he constantly takes pay cuts. That way the Patriots can field a good team around him. You don't see that anymore. Everybody's talking about, well, what's mine? I want mine. I want this. Tom Brady's like, just get me a wide receiver that I can pass downfield to to win a Super Bowl. Think about it. The Patriots have not spent a lot of money on Tom Brady over the past couple of years. Why? Because Tom Brady wants to win. A lot of other quarterbacks cry and complain, but they're getting paid, what, $20 million a year, $15 million a year? I mean, I love Eli Manning to death, but Eli Manning's getting paid more than Tom Brady. Does that make any sense? It really doesn't. 
when you talk about worth, and you notice how all the great players do this. LeBron James, for a while, wasn't making the money that he could could have. Why? Because he knew he had his endorsements. And because he knew that if he took less money, they could feel the better team around him. That's what great players do. And when it's all said and done, to, the reason for me why Tom Brady is the goat of the goats is because he wasn't supposed to be here. Michael Jordan was gifted in college. We knew he'd be in the NBA. Serena Williams, gifted player in her teens. You know, LeBron James, <clears throat> excuse me, gifted coming out of high school. Tom Brady, did you see his draft day photo? Did you see the stomach on that guy? Should this guy provide was, hope to all. It, it really does. It, it really does. You know, Average Joe's Gym in, in, from the movie Dodgeball, like that should be their slogan. Their picture should be Tom Brady because the guy did not look like he was going to last a season in the NFL. And yet... He's the most most championship quarterback there is. Why? Because the guy put his nose to the grindstone. He grinded it out every day, worked on it, and became the best quarterback in the NFL ever. And no one else is going to touch him for that. And again, the reason why he's the GOAT, because he wasn't supposed to be there. And he said, screw it, I'm going to be here anyways. And to me, that means a lot. So... Tom Brady is the goat of the goats. Before I give my number one, since we both talked about Tom Brady, and one of the biggest challenges I think in professional, in in just you know broadcasting and just talking about sports in general, is when you talk about the Patriots and when you talk about Tom Brady, you're practically forced to mention Bill Belichick within that. Within a few minutes. And with that, we're going to follow the pace of what everyone else does on that. And this podcast and this topic is made for just professional athletes. So neither one of us put Bill Belichick on our list because of the fact that, you know, it's only for athletes where we were doing this. But if we did include a coach, would he have made your list? Oh, for sure. And honestly, I think, you know, you're putting me on the spot here, so I can't give a definite answer, but I bet you Bill Belichick is in the top three mm. for me. He would, he, honestly, he'd probably be number one for me, but just because I don't, you know, I haven't had time to sit down and think about it, I know he definitely would be in my top three. I know where I would have put him, and... uh if we did include a coach and we're not, and this is one of those asterisks that we're putting even to our thing, but uh, he would have been right after he would have been sixth because I would have, I, that's, that's where I would have put him on my list. Uh, but we weren't doing coaches. We weren't even concluding that as a possibility. This was just going to be athletes. Uh, it would have been too challenging to start going through every coach and doesn't it Saban get in and all of a sudden we're, we're including guys that, you know, we shouldn't really be looking at. Um, how many college basketball coaches would we be thinking about putting in? So coach became too hectic and it would be its own uh, greatest coach, maybe a conversation for the 100th. But... <laughs> Uh, so it was interesting that I thought we we have to bring it up because you know we both mentioned Tom Brady at that point by by like the law, it it's it's basically got to be on. Uh, with that though, 
Number one, for me, Jose had him at number eight for some reason. Some whack reason. <laughs> yeah, I can use that word. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough when printing that. Uh, total points, over 2,800 total points. The next closest, just 1,900. And and for those that don't know hockey, uh, they could determine a point being if you have a goal or you're the assist. If you're one of those, you get uh, part of those total points. Wayne Gretzky had over 900 more total points than the guy in second. In fact, when you look at it, his assist is 1963. Total assists Wayne Gretzky had. Wayne Gretzky had more total assists than anybody in the NHL has in total points. Wayne Gretzky could have never scored a single goal in his career in the NHL. And he would still be the number one points leader. That's how you make number one right then and there. You say, I don't have to throw a touchdown in my career. <laughs> you say, I don't have to score a goal. I don't have to hit a home run. I don't have to score, uh, shoot a basket. And I'm the greatest player in my sport of all time. That's how you get number one on my list right then and there. Uh, his 894 goals, the next closest had just over 800 at 801. Still, if, a, if that guy played an entire season and scored a goal in every single game of that season, he'd still be less goals than Gretzky. In fact, also on this entire list, the guy at number two, almost 300 less games played in goals. The guy with the total points at 1921, still less total points combined than Gretzky and assist. A little bit over 250 more games played than Wayne Gretzky. And Gretzky dominates the numbers. It's, you know, we don't have to talk about, you know, did he win? Of course he won. He won multiple Stanley Cups, as you mentioned, Jose. But it's the fact that this guy didn't even have to score a single goal in his career, and he still would have finished as the greatest player of all time, just on total points. And that's how you get to be number one on my list, right then and there. Separation was the key, and you can't create more separation in a single sport than that in my mind. And with that, we have reached our conclusion of the ten of ten, uh, the ten greatest goats of all time in each sport. Jose, how do you feel after that one? <laughs> you know, that was a doozy. Yeah, and definitely a relief that I'm not under microscope anymore. Although I'm sure this will be felt for a couple of weeks while people listen to it and judge our opinions. But you know, I'm very interested to see what our listeners think. If you're listening to the podcast, you know, feel free to drop a comment on Facebook or Twitter about. You know, who's your top 10? I would love to know how other people's lists, um, you know, vary as well. Yeah, like, 
say you mentioned it earlier. If you asked a hundred people, a hundred people most likely give you a hundred different answers. Uh, if please do comment in this one. But we're we're posting this always like on our Twitter, on Facebook as well. You can always comment on this. We are we we love your comments when you have it for us, but we are certainly interested in this one because you know, the best part about this is it is opinionated and there is no wrong answer on this. If you don't put Gretzky one, there is then one wrong answer on this. But <laughs> it, it's one that's just a real exciting conversation and it, it certainly would be interesting. And I, both of us were more than happy and more wanting to see what your guys' opinions are to your top 10. But with that, like every single Sarasso and the Beard podcast, we still have a few things to go over. And with that, we'll start with our final thoughts. Jose, I'm just going to ask you on your final thoughts. We're in game five of the Eastern Conference Finals. Who gets to the finals? You know, I'm going to go with my original prediction. I think it's going to be the Bucks. I think, um, I think Milwaukee's a very, very talented group. Um, one thing I'm noticing, though, in the playoffs that worries me is that they get rattled very easily. You know, Drake's antics, I, I know it's funny that we're talking about Drake the rapper in a basketball series, but Drake's antics seem to really get on the nerves of Giannis Antetokounmpo. But you know what? You can't let that bother you. And I'm really surprised that Milwaukee seems easily rattled when there's a bunch of distractions around them. They're the better basketball team, in my opinion, you know, from top to bottom. So to me, they just have to utilize their skill keep applying the pressure and they should be able to put away Toronto although I wouldn't be surprised if this series goes seven games honestly it would not surprise me at all however I think despite whoever wins this series Golden State's winning another one so whoever wants to battle for second place that's awesome second place trophies participation trophies for the Eastern Conference uh, at least you tried yeah. uh, mine will be I got Toronto going just because I need something more to root for. I don't really like Drake. Uh, but still so this will stick t- it to him. <laughs> still rooting for Toronto. And, you know, part of the reason I'm rooting more for Toronto than Milwaukee, as much as I'd want to see Milwaukee get in, there's more storylines. If it's Kawhi, and then if it's Kevin Durant returning. But there, there would be four main free agents in the finals. Two of them may not play, but that's still huge free agents between Kawhi, Clay, DeMarcus Cousins, and Kevin Durant. So Talk you, about you putting on a big audition. Yeah, there's all eyes on them at the end of the day. Uh, you know, with everything, we have our dude and dunce in a week, and we look back in sports history. It is May 23rd. We do have a few... Uh, 1873, there's a lot of horse racing going on right now between the Kentucky Derby, uh, Peatness, Belmont. A lot of controversy between a few of them at times. But in 1873, the first Peatness states uh, with Survivor. I just love the name on that. I think I chose it for that. But Survivor winning the Plymouth race course in Baltimore, Maryland. And that was in 1873 for first Pete in the, uh race. 
you know, there wasn't much that I really loved, but this one I was too much of a fun debate to put in. Uh, 2018 NFL owners approved new NFL national anthem policy whereby players required to stand if they choose to be on the field for pre-game presentations. You know, it never ends. We'll be talking about that probably in a few months when the NFL season has come aboard. You mentioned Colin Kaepernick. It's just fitting timing that that's part of the list. And for our Dude of the Week, I'm going to give it to somebody. There were two Grand Slams hit today in the ninth inning. One of them provided a lead for a team that would win 5-2 to two in a do-not-care game. But the Miami Marlins won 5-2, to two, coming back from down 2 nothing, made it a 2-1 game in the ninth when they were down 2 nothing, and then Garrett Cooper with a grand slam to give the Marlins a 5-2 to two lead, all exciting for the three fans that were probably in Detroit to watch the game. But Garrett Cooper, your one hit of the game, became the game-winning grand slam in the ninth inning. So, you get to have dude of the week. Well, for dunce of the week, dunce of the week is actually going to be New York sports teams, except for the Yankees. I mean, what a wild week it's been for all of New York sports. First of all, this really dates back to the NFL draft. The Giants want to be idiots and draft Daniel Jones at number six. Self-explanatory. Who's next? Oh, that's right. The New York Knicks, then, do not win the lottery. And I know that's kind of out of their control, but still, major bummer. Then who's next? Oh, right. The Giants are willing. They're willing, Nick, to be the laughingstock of New York. But the Jets say, no, no, that's our job. Hold my beer as they fire their GM. The GM who drafted for them, who signed free agents for them, and they decided to fire him now and give power to the head coach in Adam Gase, which is now bringing rumors that the Jets might trade Le'Veon Bell because Adam Gase did not want to sign him for that much money. Seriously? The Giants were willing to be the laughingstock, and the Jets were like, no, that's our job. And on top of that, you mentioned the Miami Marlins, who are on a six-game win streak. They just swept Detroit. Who was the other team that they swept before Detroit? Oh, that's right. It was the New York Mets. Now, the Mets have rebounded nicely. They swept the Washington Nationals. But they still got swept by the Miami Marlins in pathetic fashion. So it's been a really annoying week for New York sports. So, therefore, we all get Dunce of the Week. And you missed the injuries. <laughs> I mean, I was going to cut the Yankees some slack because they're still winning despite the injuries. And, yes, even though CC hit the IL today, too, it's not looking good for the Yankees. Um, uh, you know, they should be getting a lot of those guys back soon. But, again, I just give credit to the Yankees. I know you were hating on them in our last podcast. But when you got guys like Gio or Shella stepping up, you can't. it's hard to hate on that. Against only Baltimore. Fair enough. You got to win those games, though. <laughs> Just like the Mets should be winning against Miami. Ten and home runs in what eleven games versus Baltimore. Two home runs in the other thirty-five. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I I care less what Torres is doing against Baltimore. Hey, you got to beat the teams. You got to beat. I I do love though on one thing. 
the Mets saw Michael Conforno go down, Jeff McNeil go down. Brandon Nimmo, Robinson Cano. I was going to say, Jonas Cespedes fell off a horse and went down. <laughs> and my personal favorite, which is the dumbest one of them all, is Med fans got mad at Robinson Cano for not running the bases to first base. Where were play, you? On a and play you... he'll never beat out. And they got mad at him for doing so. Something where they're New Yorkers and have watched him play for the Yankees on the games where they flip the channel and see he never will run to first base to do that. Get mad. And Cano decides, now, you know what? For the team, I'll run to first base. And now he's on the IL for a groin issue. Is it drawing or quad or hands? It's quad. It's, it's quad. It's quad. quad. It, it, it's something with him having a run to first base. Something where... Obs- See, he was onto something. This is why he didn't run. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't expect him to get injured right off the bat, but... Well, that's what happens when you don't run, Nick. Their muscles aren't used to it. He shocked his system. He, he should have been running in going the first on. place. <laughs> Ah, you gotta love the Mets. Also, one more thing before we sign off. The Blue Jays actually called up Craig Biggio's son, who also plays shortstop, so now the left side of their infield, Vladimir Vladimir Guerrero's son and Craig Biggio's son. That's pretty cool, if you ask me. I think the only son they cared about was Vlad Jr. Well, I mean, Craig Biggio's son is doing really well in the minors, and they also have Dante Pichette's son, too. The Blue Jays took a lot of stock in signing uh, former players' kids, um, but th- those are some top prospects. So I know I know all they care about is Vlad Jr., rightfully so. The kid's a beast. But if I'm Toronto, I like what's going on there in terms of the youth movement. Yeah. Until they trade it all for, like, an R.A. Dickey. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know. We don't need that negativity right now. And again, thank you so much for listening to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 50. Once again, I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And be sure to check out all the different podcasts that you can find on the S&D Podcast channel. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's so many different options. Pick and choose, but every one of them you pick, you're going to choose the right one at the end of the day when you're picking from the S&D Podcast channel. And again, please send us your comments on who your top 10 of the dotes are for all time. Episode 51 will be recording next week. Obviously, the big conversation will be who we have winning the NBA Finals. Uh, I think Jose gave a premature answer to his, and I think I did too for mine. But you know, still stay tuned to hear who we have winning it, of course. And thank you so much for listening to Saras on the Beard Podcast, episode 50. El nuevo crispy chicken sandwich de McDonald's es... Cruyente, tiernito, Es pollo la McDonald's, un mordisco y... Wow. Es el nuevo crispy chicken sandwich. Ordena por anticipado en el lab de McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. En McDonald's participantes. So, let's say you're into yoga, or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, 
Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.